All right, well, today I want to just uh, jump back into our Matthew series. We've been in this series since the beginning of the year, talking about what it's like to live in the kingdom, because that's what Matthew was showing us. Matthew, he's showing us what, what it's like to follow Jesus. Jesus shows up to Matthew. Matthew's living for a different kingdom. He's living for the kingdom of self. He's living for the kingdom of Rome, and, and he's miserable, because that's what happens when you live for the kingdom of self in the kingdom of this world. And Jesus shows up to Matthew at his tax collector booth and says, hey, come follow me. I've got something I want to do in your life. And Matthew follows Jesus. He gives him a, he gives him a chance. And, and he starts experiencing the kingdom of God moving his life. Like light and hope and grace start moving in Matthew's life. And it changes everything about him. And so what Matthew is doing in this gospel is so much more than just writing stuff down. He's He's inviting us. What Matthew is doing is inviting us to experience that ourselves. And so he's going through this gospel, and it's been absolutely fantastic. Uh, we've been learning as we've been going through this. And, um, and today I want to talk about choosing your own adventure. So the title of the message is Choose Your Own Adventure. If you're taking notes, write that down. If you're not taking notes, just take a minute and write that down. Choose Your Own Adventure. Matthew chapter 12. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be looking at this, um, but basically what Matthew is going to show us, he sets this up because what Matthew does, he's giving us the life of Christ, but he has some discretion on how he arranges the topics. He has some discretion on how he sets things up and the context that he uses to communicate things. So Matthew chapter 12, what, what Matthew is going to do is going to show us the difference between darkness and light. He's going to show us the difference between living in the kingdom of God and the, and the difference between living in the kingdom of Satan. Living in the flesh or living in the spirit, it has everything to do with choosing our own adventure. Now, here it's, this is a timely topic for us because it's Halloween week, and uh, it's a time where our culture, you know, uh, celebrates everything spooky and scary and creepy. And, and really what Matthew is doing, he's drawing this dichotomy between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. And honestly, in, in our culture, we make, our culture presents, uh, many times, can present the kingdom of darkness innocently. You guys remember like growing up watching a cartoon and you'd have like the angel on one side and the devil on the other. Come on, how many, just raise your hand. Have you ever seen that, that, that little cartoon? You know, in the cartoon, like, the angel and the devil both look like the person, right? <laughs> Except the angel, you know, has a halo and wearing a robe and playing a harp. And then the devil, you know, the little demon on the other side, you know, has pointy ears, a little pitchfork, and a tail. You guys know what I'm talking about? And, and the devil's trying to get you to do the bad thing. And I don't know for, for whatever reason, but like with cartoons, it usually looked like, like kicking someone in the, in the pants or something like that. I don't know what it was about that, but it was like the devil's trying to get you to do the bad thing and the angel's trying to keep you to doing the right thing. And it's very innocent. So a lot of times we can make, we can make light. We, we kind of think of the devil as like he's just rolling around with a little pitchfork trying to poke us to do the wrong thing. Or, or we make a big deal out of the devil, right? We either make a little deal out of the devil or we make a big deal out of the devil. Like the devil is everywhere and he's responsible for everything. How many of you ever met someone like that? Have you ever thought like that? Like can't find a good parking spot at Hy-Vee? It's the devil. 
get a zit, oh, there's the devil. Gain, gain 10 pounds, it's the devil. Nah, it might be Andy's. Just saying. <laughs> we have a tendency to make too much of the devil or too little of him. And C.S. Lewis breaks this down and he says, he says, the devil loves this. Look at this. There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves, devils, are equally pleased by both errors. He's saying the enemy loves when we either make little of him or too much of him. The reality is there is an enemy and he is responsible for the evil in the world. There is evil and the enemy is responsible for the evil that we experience. Now here what Ma here's what Matthew is gonna present to us today. There's evil and there is good. There is light and there is darkness. There is a kingdom of God and there's a kingdom of Satan and you and I are living in one of those kingdoms. So you're living in one or the other. You're living for one or the other. One or the other is having greater dominion in your life. And there is no, like, there's no choosing not to play. There's no, like, no, I'm Switzerland on all this, like, kingdom stuff. No, you're in. You're in the war. It's just who's... Whose side are you on? And that's what Jesus is presenting to us in Matthew chapter 12. And the context is where Nathan left us off last week. We're talking about Sabbath rest. And this is on the heels of Jesus saying, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus is trying to show us. He's trying to bring us into his kingdom. And the religious people, oddly enough, are the most anti-Jesus. It's crazy. The Pharisees, they are the most anti-Jesus, and they're trying to kill Jesus for presenting the gospel. And that's the context for Matthew chapter 12. And I want to jump into this. We're going to go verse by verse, phrase by phrase, because there is so much gold in here. I just want all of it to just speak to our lives and just seep into our hearts. So if you're ready to jump in and grow together, say a strong, I am. I am. Well, let's do it. Matthew chapter 12. First phrase, again, the context is they're trying to kill Jesus. And it says this in Matthew 12, 15. Aware of this. I want to pause for a moment. Aware of this. Aware that the Pharisees are trying to kill Jesus. He's aware. How many of you know Jesus is always aware? He's always aware. I mean, that's a simple phrase. But man, is that powerful to think about. He's aware and he is always aware. He was aware what they were trying to do to him. He was aware that they were trying to kill him. In fact, not only was he aware of it, it's the whole reason he was here. Like literally, here's what's amazing. The Pharisees and the enemy are trying to work a plan against Jesus. But how many of you know the enemy may have a plan, but God always has a bigger plan? Because God's plan was ultimately that Jesus would die. And that Jesus would go to the cross and that he would raise again on the third day and bring life and hope and the kingdom to all of us. So the enemy was working a plan, but God had a bigger plan. He's always aware. 
and he's always working. And I wanna just pause for a moment and say this. Not only is Jesus aware of the plan that he is bringing about, he's aware of the situation that you and I find ourselves in today. I want you to know that. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, Jesus is always aware. I, maybe some of you have come into this place, you're thinking, man, I don't know if God cares. I want you to know he absolutely does. Not only does he see you, not only does he know you, but he cares about you. He is aware intimately of your situation, and he cares very deeply about your situation. And if you will give him a chance, he wants to do something about your situation. He's always aware. I want you to know he sees you. Don't believe the enemy's lie. God sees you, and God loves you. Next phrase. Jesus withdrew from that place. All right, so he's aware, but he, Jesus withdrew from that place. So what he's doing is, is he's pulling away to get rest. He's not giving up. He's resting up because he knows he's about to make the final push to the cross. And so he's trying to get some, some focus time. You see Jesus doing this a lot. Spend some time with the Father. Spend some time thinking, recalibrating, refocusing. He's constantly doing this. But as he does this, a large crowd followed him. There's never been a person who needed more me time in the history of the world than Jesus in this moment. And yet a large crowd shows up at his door. A large crowd is, is and there are people who are sick. There are people who are needy. There are people who are uh, dis discouraged. And what would Jesus do in a moment like this? Would he, would he say, no, I'm sorry, I, I don't have time? Would he be like, no, I've got, I've got my boundaries I can't do this. I can't minister to your needs right now. No, not Jesus. Watch this. And he healed all who were ill. How many people did he heal? All. all. We don't know how many people there were. We know it was a large crowd. We don't know how long it took. But I love how this communicates the heart of God. In spite of being discouraged, in spite of being tired, Jesus sees the crowds. We talked about this a couple of months ago. And he has compassion on them. Anytime Jesus sees a need, he responds to it. You see this over and over and over again through the Gospels, and I hope it just screams to us God's heart for you and me. Then when God sees your need, he's not like, I'm sorry, I'm busy. I've got too much to do today. I'm tired. No, no, no. When God sees your need, he responds. He leans in. Not only is he aware, but he cares. He serves. He stays. He heals. And it's all part of the plan that he's been working from the very beginning. Look how Matthew ties this in. Again, now Matthew has discretion here. He's giving us history, but he's also putting in some, some, um, some prophecy that had been made hundreds of years prior. Look at this. Matthew chapter uh, uh, 12, verse 16. He warned them not to tell others about him, and this was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Now, what he's going to do here in the next couple of verses is he's going, to, he's going to read or recite a prophecy that was made, it was a messianic prophecy about what the Messiah would bring when he would show up. And again, this is recorded hundreds of years before Matthew and Jesus are on the scene. And it's going to talk about the Messiah, and the type of kingdom he brings when he shows up. And he's, what, what Matthew's doing is going, I want to show you what light looks like. That's what Matthew's doing. He's like, I want to show you what the Messiah looks like. And then it's going to be contrasted with what darkness looks like. Look at verse 18. Here is my servant whom I have chosen, 
the one I love and whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not quarrel or cry out. No one will hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out till he has brought justice through to victory and in his name the nations will put their hope. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that just, that's just like, I mean, you, I, I had, like, I was teasing out stuff line by line before, but I took that stuff out because I just wanted you to hear how beautiful that is. This is, the, this is what it's like when the Messiah is going to show up. He's a servant who the Father delights in, not because of what he does, but because of who he is. And he's on a mission to bring justice and freedom and victory and healing. And how is he going to go about it? As a humble servant who helps those who are less fortunate, who finds needs and meets them, and who brings hope to the nations. This is what the kingdom of God looks like, and it is beautiful. It is amazing. It is inspirational. And you're like, yes, I want that. Who wouldn't want that, right? So Matthew sets this up, says Jesus is doing this, and then he shows the kingdom of darkness. Look at verse 22. Then they brought him a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute, and Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. When Jesus shows up, situations change. He takes things that are dark and he brings them to light. And all the people were astonished and said, could this be the son of David? Could this be the one that Matthew just told us about? Could this be the one that Matthew just uh, quoted in prophecy? Well, of course he is. Nobody else is doing this. Nobody else is bringing light. Nobody else is, is bringing truth. Nobody else is, bringing, is setting people free. This has to be the son of David. This is the biggest no-brainer question ever to be asked. And yet, some people surprisingly still choose darkness. Look at this. But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, it is only by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, a.k.a. Satan, that this fellow drives out demons. They're basically saying there's no way that this is God. This has got to be the devil. And Jesus, verse 25, knew their thoughts and said to them, every kingdom divided against itself. I want you to see this. He's talking about division. Divided against itself will be ruined. And every city or house divided against itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your people drive them out? So then they will be your judges. Now what Jesus is doing, what, what, is, there's a lot happening. But I want you, what I want you to see is that he's saying, I'm not talking about some mythological creature. I'm not talking about some cartoon that sits on your shoulder and says, yeah, do the bad thing. No, he's talking about Satan, the enemy of our souls, who wasn't Jesus's brother as some faiths, you know, propagate. He's not Jesus's brother. He was an angel who named Lucifer, who tried to ascend the heights of God, the Bible teaches. And because of his arrogance, because of his pride, he was thrown down, and everything he does is evil. 
When you see evil in the world, when you see hate in the world, when you see disdain in the world, when you see addiction in the world, you need to know that that is the enemy's way, that is the enemy's kingdom. But Jesus says this, but if it is by the spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. He's like, hey, you know what? There's no way that the, that the enemy is going to be bringing down the enemy's camp, if you will. But he says, if it's by the spirit of God that I do it, then guess what? The kingdom is here. The kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of hope, the kingdom of life, the kingdom of light, it's here. And it was when Jesus, is, when Jesus is showing up on the scene, he is changing the game. He is bringing light to the darkness. And the reason he is is because he can. Look at this next verse. Or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? If there's a, if there's a guy who's strong and you're trying to take some stuff from him, how are you going to take it unless you're stronger than the strong man. And what Jesus is saying is, guess what? He's stronger. Jesus is stronger. And then he goes, he says, now I want you to understand. I want you to understand my kingdom's better. My kingdom is brighter. My kingdom is gonna bring life and hope and light to you. Then he says this, now you have the choice. Whoever is not with me is against me. And whoever does not, Gather with me, scatters. Jesus is saying, I'm throwing out my invitation to salvation. I'm throwing out the path to light. I'm throwing out the path to life. Do you want it? Or do you want darkness? Do you want hope? Or do you want discouragement? Do you want freedom? Or do you want bondage? It's the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of darkness. He's saying, choose your own adventure. Three things that I think we can learn from this. Number one, Jesus' kingdom is better. Number two, Jesus' kingdom is stronger. Number three, the choice of which kingdom we call home is up to us. It's up to us. I want to break this down before we do. I want you to tell three people. Come on, find three people and say, it's time to choose your own adventure. Come on, find three people and say, it's time. It's time to choose your own adventure. Choose your own adventure. First thing, and I hope I could just encourage you with this. Jesus' kingdom is better. That's good. I liked it. It kind of just, I didn't know. I was like, we'll see. I like it. There is a food truck in Lee Summit on 3rd Street. If you're, um, if you're downtown and you head towards 291 on 3rd Street, uh, it is on the right-hand side in the Safe Light parking lot. Someone know what I'm talking about? Okay, we're having church. You can shout. It is a Mexican food truck, and it is God's gift to us. 
the carne asada. The chorizo. Probably didn't say that right. Thank you. It is amazing. It's open Wednesday through Sundays, 4 to 10. <laughs> and I hope we will all be partying there later this evening. It is authentic. Authentic. When you, the, the tacos are $2.50 a piece, and they are all, they're amazing. I mix and match. And they give you all these little sauces, like to put on it. I mean, I don't even know what the sauces are, but I do a little bit of everything on each one. It is amazing. Cilantro, they just give you a bunch of cilantro because they're good people who love you. You can eat at this taco food truck or you can keep driving to 291, make a left and eat at Taco Bell. My wife loves Taco Bell. I can't figure it out. She doesn't care about her intestines. She does not care about her stomach. But she, when she has the kids by themselves, they will go to Taco Bell. Because <laughs> I will not go. Now, she likes, she likes the, the food truck, but she settles for Taco Bell sometimes when the food truck isn't available. There is a difference between good and settling. There is, a, there is a difference between the kingdoms that, that Jesus is presenting here, and he's drawing this distinction. He's like, hey, I want you to understand that the Messiah's kingdom is just better. God's kingdom is just better. It brings life. It opens life. It brings hope. It is helpful you know, it's interesting that when the blind man shows up, or I'm sorry, when the demon-possessed man shows up, he's blind. He's mute. In other passages, uh, you know, there'll often be, uh, there'll be physical uh, th problems that they have as well when they're demon-possessed. Never in the Bible does it describe someone as being demon-possessed, and, and the way that they knew that they were demon-possessed was the smile that they had on their face. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, it was weird. They brought a man to, to Jesus who was smiling and laughing all the time because he was demon-possessed. How many of you know it doesn't work like that? That when the enemy brings his, his kingdom into your life, it always takes life from you. Now, it may, it may look like life. I mean, he may, he may tempt you with, oh, isn't this going to be this amazing? But when you, when you grab a hold of that temptation... When you step into his kingdom, what he does is he ends up just taking life from you. He makes you less of a person. He makes you less of who God wanted you to be. That's what the enemy does. And Jesus is saying, my kingdom is better. My kingdom is not taking you out of control. It's actually bringing more self-control to you. It's not, it's not making you blind. It's actually opening your eyes so that you can see, not just physically, but spiritually. Jesus' kingdom is better. The enemy's plan only makes things worse. The enemy, how he works, is he blinds, he divides, he discourages, he brings doubt, depression. 
That's when the enemy's working in your life is when, when you have more of that, you know that the enemy is at work. When you have more hope, when you have more joy, when you have more faith, then you know that the kingdom of God is on the move in your life. And this is what God wants to bring. I want you to know some of you, you've settled. You've settled for a kingdom that is far less than God's kingdom. If you've bought the lie, you say, oh man, I'm just gonna live for myself. I'm gonna live for money. I'm gonna live for pleasure. And those things now have gotten a hold of you. You've settled. You've settled, but I want you to know this, that, that God's kingdom is, is so much better. And if you'll look to him, you can experience it. Not only is God's kingdom better, but Jesus' kingdom is greater. I love this because Jesus is like, hey, if there's a, if there's a strong man, only a stronger man can plunder the strong man's house. You know what Jesus is talking about here? Clearly, he's talking about the enemy. He's saying, he's saying the enemy has you in his house. And the only person who can come get you out of that house is someone stronger. And that person is Jesus. That person is Jesus because that's exactly what he did. He went into hell and took back the keys to death, hell, and the grave. Look what he says in Revelation chapter 1. I am the living one. I was dead. And now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Come on, y'all. We serve the greater one. We serve the greatest one. The one who died but who didn't stay dead, who overcame death, hell, and the grave. And I want you to understand this. When he did that, he offered you freedom. It's like he went in there. He opened the doors. He's like, come on out. You've been in the enemy's camp. I've come to set you free. You've been bound. I've come to bring you out. That's what he does. That's what Jesus does. And he can do that because he's greater. What does the Bible say? Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. You, you do not serve a weak God if you are a believer. You've got the power of the one who spoke the world into existence. You've got transformational power. But you have to choose your adventure. You've got to choose who you're going to serve. And I think it's important to take a, a moment and talk about this. Because some of you today, maybe you've settled. You've gone with the weaker kingdom. You bought into the lie. You thought, man, this is going to be so great. I'm going to take this temptation. It's going to be so amazing. I'm going to cheat, and it's going to be so great. Oh, man, I'm going to get addicted to this, this substance, and it's going to be so amazing, but it's going to end up controlling my life. And you find yourself in a position where you're like, man, I don't know if there's any hope here. I don't know if there's any freedom here. I don't know if there's any getting out of this. I want you to know that if you turn to God, he is greater. He's greater than your addiction. He's greater than your alcohol problem. He's greater than your addiction to pornography. He's greater than your addiction to yourself, to greed, He's greater than your anger problem. And if you let God in, he can turn things around. He can turn it around. He can turn it around. He's greater, and he wants to set you free. 
You know, there's a story of um, some American soldiers during World War II who, because of their general's decision to go against General MacArthur's decision, they ended up being surrendered to the Japanese forces. And, and 70,000 troops were surrendered. And they were brutalized. These troops were brutalized. They were beaten. They were starved. They were shot. They were stabbed. There's a story of one time they, they led them to a, a, a riverbed, and anybody who took a drink, they just beheaded right there. It was graphic. It was terrible. 20,000 of them were killed. It was, it was awful. And then they put them in this, this camp. There's a picture of uh, some of them. You can see these are American POWs, soldiers. So here they are in this camp. There's about, uh, there's several hundred in this camp. And General MacArthur, when he saw what had happened, the general who had done what he asked him not to do had did, He's like, I'm going to come back and I'm going to get them. When we can regroup and when we can take that, I'm going to come back and get them. And so, and so he did. He, uh, he got, he got a, a crew together of army rangers. What's up, rangers? Any, any rangers? It's military people. I just love it. love the special forces. And he got a guy named Colonel Moochie together. Look at this. Look at that, Colonel Moochie. Get out of his way. I know, yeah, right? That's a man's man right there, that mustache, ready to go. And he led a team of army rangers into a camp called Camp uh, Cabana Tuan. And he rescued over 500 POWs. And there's a picture of the freed POWs. Look at that. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that cool? Found that, I found that story. I thought it was super interesting. Can we go back to the picture of the POWs before they were freed? They went from that to now let's go to the picture after they were freed to that. And I thought that was such a beautiful illustration of where you and I can find ourselves. Because on the outside, we may not look like those POWs. We may not look like emaciated. We may not look like we're starving. But spiritually, on the inside, we are. Spiritually, on the inside, the enemy has ravaged our souls. He's got us to buy into lies. His kingdom has worked his way. But I want you to know today that if you find yourself in a situation like that, if you're willing to admit, if you're willing to say, you know what, man, I think I've bought into a lie, I want you to know this, that there is a greater general even than General MacArthur. There is, there is, there is, a, there is a man who went into enemy territory and set not just one camp free, but all camps free. Every single camp, every single sin camp, every single bondage camp, he set them free because he took the keys to death, hell, and the grave, and he overcame death, hell, and the grave itself. And he died on the cross, and he rose again, and he offers everlasting life forever and now. Real life. Not just church, not just something to get excited about, not just something to clap about, something to believe in and something to trust in and something to be changed by and empowered by. This is real. The Bible says this, Paul says this, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead 
now lives in you also. Lives in you. If you're a believer, the question is, what do you believe? See, what kingdom you're in has everything to do with what you believe. Do you believe the lies of the enemy? Or do you believe the truth of God? That God is good, that he does good, that he sent his son into the world not to condemn the world, but to save it. And if you would believe in him, the simple act of faith in Christ can let the light into your heart and it can start working and chains start breaking and doors start opening and freedom starts becoming your reality if you'll step into it. You have a chance to choose. We all have a chance to choose. And that's the last thought Jesus' kingdom is better. Jesus' kingdom is greater. The choice of which kingdom we call home is up to us. Joshua 24 says, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now dwell. It's like, you gotta choose. Who are you gonna live for? You gonna live for God? But the resounding response is, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I want, to, I want to ask some of you, can you say that today? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Can you say that? I'm not going to say, I'm not going to believe the lies of the enemy. I'm not going to give in to that temptation again. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'm not going to stay bound. I'm not going to stay crippled. I'm not going to settle for Taco Bell. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Who's with me, church? Who is with me? Is that spirit rising up in you today? We have a choice to make. Which kingdom are we going to call home? Which kingdom are we going to belong to? Two groups of people I want to talk to just for a second as we close. Number one, believers. Believers. You're a follower. You believe in Jesus. But I want to challenge you. Some of you, you've bought into the lie. You have bought into the lie that the enemy has sold you. And darkness is beginning to infiltrate your heart. I want to challenge you today to say no to the enemy and say yes to God. To say, you know what, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to move in his direction. Make a decision today. Second group, you don't know the Lord. Maybe you got invited by somebody. Maybe you saw an advertisement. You heard about candy. You're like, I'll come, I'll come get some candy. Or maybe someone just straight up lied to you and said, we're going to go to lunch. And then took you to church first. <laughs> and here you are, stuck, listening. But you know what? The Spirit of God is speaking to you. The Spirit of God is here and he's speaking to you and he says, I've got something greater for you if you'll let me. And you've, you need to make a decision to follow Christ. Today is your day. Today is the day of your salvation. And if you will let God come in, he will, he will go. He has already gone behind enemy lines. He's opened the door. He's just, he's sitting there. He's like, come on out. Come on out. I've made a way for you to be free. Will you say yes?